Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Trigger warning, the following segment contains discussion involving sexual abuse as well as mental health that may be triggering to some audiences. Hey guys, welcome into today's podcast. I am doing this podcast solo today and it's actually going to be something that may possibly have some trigger episodes that possibly come up for listeners, but being that the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, I really felt that I just needed to sit down, have my cup of coffee, have a candle lit, some music in the background, and really sit down and be vulnerable, especially with the listeners, especially in the month of May. In regards to mental health awareness, this can be depression, PTSD, substance use disorders, eating disorders, anxiety, along with everything that we seem to be focusing on in this day-to-day life that we just struggle with. And in regards to today's podcast, we're going to be talking about sexual assault and how this does impact mental health. As I said, this is probably a very touchy subject, but it's something that I actually have experience with and something that I wanted to share my story Sexual assault is very common. One in six women and one in 33 men report experiencing an attempted or completed sexual assault in their lifetime. Women in college, they're three times more likely to be victims of sexual assault than women in general. One in two transgender people, they're victims of sexual violence or assault. When we talk about sexual assault, especially in society, it's something that is shunned upon. It's something that is made the victim to feel guilty. I know that this has kind of been my standpoint and my stance on this topic and something I haven't really talked about with many people, including my friends, my family. I almost felt as though I had a guilt or just something that I just couldn't share. I always had this feeling that I wouldn't be accepted, uh, that I wouldn't be believed, that I would sit and just have to deal with this in my mind for the rest of my life. So when we talk about sexual assault, what is sexual assault? What can it include? This can be anything from attempted rape. It can be unwanted sexual advances, forcing someone to perform any form of an act without their consent. And it's really important to note that force does not just mean physical force, but it also includes manipulation, coercion, threats, and situations where a person is just unable to give their consent. So again, thank you for being here with me. This is a topic, like I said in the very start of this recording, it's extremely sensitive. So let's just kind of dive into my story. I'm 36 years old. For my listeners who possibly don't know me too well, you might be new to this podcast. You might be new to following me on social media. And my story, possibly by me being vulnerable and sensitive and just kind of getting my anxiety out there with this topic may help a listener or you may some you may I don't know you may know someone who's been through this and they don't know who to talk to or feel like they're alone and I feel like with sexual assault and mental health with PTSD and depression and anxiety we feel like we're alone so to get that point across is probably the most important especially in this you know in this episode in this topic you're not alone I was 14 when I first started working. I worked at a food restaurant. I'm not going to say the name, but we're going to keep this pretty, pretty, you know, general and generic here. 
But I started my first job at 14 and my mom was a single mom. She raised me um, from the time I was about 12 to current um, as a single mom. And I always saw her working very hard, working a full-time job, sometimes working a part-time job. And she always tried to instill in me very early that it's very important to have a good work ethic. You need to show up. You need to show that you are ready. You need to be on time. You need to present yourself in a professional way at all times. So when I got my first job at 14, you know, I was, <laughs> I was pretty much like every 14-year-old. I don't want to work, mom. I want to hang out with my friends. Why can't you just give me money out of your wallet for movies and, you know, music and CDs at the time. Yes, I'm 36, so we had CDs and we even had cassette tapes, but we won't go down that road. And I kind of had almost like this teenager typical attitude of, I don't understand why I have to go to work for hours on end, barely making any money when I get my paycheck, because I don't know what I thought working in a restaurant that I was going to make millions. Not sure, but I think we've all been there at 14 years old. So when I first got my job, I was pretty mad. <laughs> I was pretty mad that I had to get up early on the weekends and go to work, that in the evenings after school, I had to go. But I also made some really good friendships. And when I would go to work, I had guys and girls, and we would all be friends, and we would talk. And I started noticing that I was getting the better shifts, I was getting the times that I wanted. I was getting to work in the drive-through, which technically meant you didn't really have to do all like the hard work. And I noticed that I was starting to get a lot of attention in a way that at 14 and then once I worked there, it was into 15 and 16, that I didn't really understand this to begin with. I didn't understand that I was kind of being manipulated and coerced in a situation that at that age and in that mental capacity, I wasn't even aware that it was happening. So with my first job, I had a manager. This manager was very in tune with all of the workers. And looking back now as an adult, I know that this person knew exactly what they were doing. And unfortunately, I was not the only person that this happened to. I learned years and years and years later. So this person being I'm 14 and then 15 and then 16. And obviously for listeners, we know that that's a minor. This person was 28 years old. This person was married. This individual had a family. And this person chose to use manipulation and coercion and favoritism in a job to show that, hey, you know what? If you work a late shift, I'll give you this. If you are nice, I'll give you this. You don't have to mop the floors. You don't have to go here. You don't have to, you know, do the closing. So I just thought that I was a great worker. I thought I was getting the perfect shifts. I thought, man, in my first job, like, I'm doing really well. Until it just happened one evening. And I will never forget this. And like I said, there is a trigger warning. So if you have been through this and this is really hard to listen to, please feel free to go to another episode. You can skip this. And if you are going through something like this and it's not painful for you to listen, like I said, I'm just sharing my story. So it was one evening and I remember my closing shift and I remember going into an office 
for all the books and bringing in all of the cash and all of the deposit slips and making sure that all my checklists were done for the evening. And I remember everyone was sent home that night early because we were so-called slow. We were not slow. And I remember going to the office and I didn't think anything of it. And I remember standing there and I'm a girl and I'm young. And the next thing I know, I'm standing next to this individual, this male, and he's asking me, how did the shift go? Any problems? Do you have your checklist? Did you do your petty cash? Did you do your deposits? Is everything even? Nothing out of the ordinary until in just a split second, he was touching me in inappropriate ways. I have never been in a situation like this before. I was naive. I've seen this in movies and I understand kind of what's going on, but how do you tell an adult that you're not comfortable? How do you tell your boss that you're not comfortable? How do you tell your boss and someone in management at your very first job that you're not comfortable? This continued to go on for weeks at a time. I would always try and leave early. I would always try and not have the night shift. And there was one night in specific that I was told that I had to stay late for a late shift. I already knew the direction this was going. I was fearful. I was nervous. And at this time, I stated and lied that I couldn't because my mom needed me at home that night because I needed to do a homework project for school. Well, this person, again, manipulation, immediately pulls my file in the office, calls my mother on speakerphone, and makes me ask her if I can work a late shift. My mother is an amazing parent. She had no idea this was going on. So of course her reaction was, of course she can. Hearing those words, of course she can, still runs in my mind when I'm in a bad situation. Whether it's I have anxiety, whether I start to get a PTSD moment, where I have depression, whether I'm in a relationship and I have a panic moment of despair that comes out of nowhere. This night in specific, I stayed late and he specifically told my own family member that he would give me a ride home after work. What happened that night in that car changed me for the rest of my life. I was brought home I was sexually touched inappropriately. I was forced to perform acts that at the age of 15 were not appropriate. I was also told that if I told anyone what happened, that I would not only lose my job, but terrible things would happen to me. I lost my virginity at 15 years old, sitting in the passenger seat of a vehicle outside of the gate entry to the apartment where I lived. And I knew that my mother was sitting inside waiting for me to come in. And I was just on the other side of the gate and no one could hear me. As I said, that night changed me for the rest of my life. 
I had a fear of going to work. I had a fear of being around any male. I begged to quit. I begged to quit my job. And I never felt comfortable to share this with my mother. I think even at 36 years old to this day, she still doesn't know. I had mentioned something happened inappropriately. I don't even remember how old I was at the time. I think it was in college. And I don't even know if she even picked up on what I was trying to explain happened, if she believed me, if she knew even who I was talking about or a scenario I was talking about because it had been years later. I worked at this place for another year to a year and a half after this incident occurred. I was always pulled into refrigerators or freezers at the restaurant and touched and told that cameras were turned in the office that no one could see me because he knew where every single camera was and nothing would happen. When this happens to you as a female and as a male, because in regards to this, it doesn't just happen to females. This not only changes you, but it creates a new personality for you. It changes your personality of how you interact with others. It changes how you interact in relationships. It changes how you look at yourself. When I was able to finally quit this job because I was going to college at 17 years old, I had this sense of fear that what if this happens to me in college? What if this happens to me at my next job? What if this happens to me in the future? What if someone finds out? And I had this sense of guilt that what happened was my fault. And I always looked at myself prior to this of kind of just like a typical girl next door, kind of a tomboy. I didn't have the looks that most of the girls at my school had. I I was probably, I would say, not popular, but I was friends with everybody. I hung out with the nerds. I hung out with the band. I hung out with the choir. I hung out with the football team. I hung out with the wrestlers. And I kind of was friends with everybody. After this happened, I went into almost full seclusion. So going into my freshman year of college, where there's parties, there's drinking, there's meeting people, there's dating. Yes, there is sex. I felt so uncomfortable and completely on the outside because I felt like I didn't even know who I was. I felt like that was taken from me. And I would do research because we didn't have all the fancy internet sites we do now. We didn't have therapy. We didn't have groups that you could go to and really feel that you could talk about something like this. And I remember sitting there even in college, and people would say, you know, oh, this person thinks you're so cute and they want to take you out and we're all going to go out to dinner. And I would always come up with an excuse. And I would always lie and say, no, I have a paper due or I have this project that I'm so behind on just so I could not put myself in a situation that this could ever happen to me again. And I remember it was probably five or six years later there was a girl that I used to work with at this restaurant when we had MySpace. Yes, I had just aged myself, MySpace. And she found me and she asked me, why did you quit and you didn't say goodbye to anyone? 
And all of those fear and anxiety and all of those scenarios started to come back in my head almost immediately when I read the message. I was sick to my stomach. I had some eating issues at that time because this had just mentally caused so much damage to me. And I was trying to hide it. I was trying to hide it from my friends and my family. And I remember sitting there and just being angry and sad at the same time because I felt like I finally was away. I had my voice. I was at college. I wasn't under this person anymore. I didn't need to be quiet and stay completely in my shell anymore because I was safe. But even reading that message, I instantly was almost in a panic of what's going to happen if it's actually told and then what's going to happen to me. So I think I probably sat on that message, I want to say, probably at least two to three days. I didn't respond. And when I finally got the guts and the nerves to send a message, the only thing that my fingers could type on that keyboard was, how are you doing? And the message that I got back was, did you leave because of something that happened? Did you leave because someone touched you? Reading that message, I lost it. And within probably 30 to 45 seconds later, I got the most amazing message back that said, you're not the only one. It happened to me too. Because somebody else was brave enough to talk and reach out to me, I was finally able to feel comfortable and safe that someone else had been through it and I wasn't alone. At 36 years old, I can look back and realize this is not acceptable. This is illegal. But the person that should be punished was still out there continuing the behavior while I sat in guilt and shame for years and years and years. So truly, the person who was punished was me. I can honestly state this has affected me in my relationships. I don't think that I know how to have a healthy relationship when it comes to a male. I have many triggers. And it put me in this stance of I'm always on the lookout. I'm always looking for signs. I'm always listening for triggers. I'm always looking for a red flag. I need a reason to run. I need a reason that you're not a good person and you're going to hurt me and I need to go before it happens and it's too late for me to get myself back. I think for many years I chose men with the behavior of they would protect me but only if I was a giver first. And by giver, I don't mean anything inappropriate, but it was make me feel loved. And in return, I will then make you feel loved and protected. And something I've had to work on myself knowing that I won't feel the appropriate love. I won't feel the appropriate affection until I work on myself. And like I stated, this happened when I was 15 years old. I'm 36. I'm still in the process. I'm still learning about myself. I'm still learning how to deal with triggers. I'm still learning how to deal with PTSD. 
And I remember telling someone this a couple of years ago. And someone it was, it was someone I trusted. And the immediate reaction, of course, because I'm the victim, when you look at the assault and you look at the scenario of why didn't you tell anybody? Why didn't you go to the cops? Why didn't you press charges? And I think that's part of the reason that it is so difficult when it comes to sexual abuse, sexual assault, mental health. It's always, well, why didn't you do something? When you deal with this form of a situation, especially so young, you don't have the capacity to know what to do next. Then you have the fear. Then you have the manipulation. So it's a huge capacity of things that kind of go into it. And a lot of times it's so much shame and so much guilt and so much denial that this could even happen to someone like yourself. You don't even know where you'd start. So that's why I came on the podcast today. That's why I'm being vulnerable. That's why I'm sharing my story. It's so hard to listen to. It's even harder to talk about. But if this can reach one person and you know that you're not alone, this could have happened to you years and years and years ago like it did to me. And the police department will come back and tell you. There's nothing we can do because of statute of limitations. You've passed it. We can't help you. You have to learn to love yourself. You have to learn to allow the guilt to subside. You have to learn that just because you are a victim does not mean you live the rest of your life in that capacity, in your mind, in your body, and in your soul. You may never heal the rest of your life. You may heal in a month. You may heal in years. But it's a journey that you have with yourself that you have to learn nothing would have changed the outcome. If you could go back, nothing would change it. This wasn't your fault. You did not ask for this. You are not damaged because of this for the rest of your life in any relationship you ever proceed to have. And you cannot allow this person to make you broken for the rest of your life. I was watching a documentary the other day, and it was a special on Netflix, and it was with Oprah and Viola Davis. She wrote a book, and I'll just put it out there. I'm not a fan of Oprah. I'm just not. (laughs) If you love her, great, and if you don't, welcome to the bandwagon. But I remember watching, and I rewinded a part, I think, and probably replayed it at least 10 to 15 times, and she's talking about living with sexual abuse and surviving your own guilt. And she made a quote in there, and I highly suggest if you have not watched this and you have not read her book, it's it's something you definitely need to check out and look for. She was discussing how back then it was normal. It was normal in her day of if you have a babysitter and your parents leave you with them and you're a female and they're a male and it's just a family friend, you're fine. If the guy at the end of the road, she said, wanted to give you a kiss, it was, oh, we'll just give him a kiss. He just wants a kiss. And she made a quote that said, there were no boundaries back in the day. We didn't have social media talking about this topic. Sexual abuse didn't even have a name. Because these are stories that nobody wants to tell. 
listen to that last line again. These are stories that nobody wants to tell. I'm brave enough now to sit here after this many years and tell my story. I'm brave enough to talk about something that not only happened to me, but changed me into who I'm supposed to be today. If you're going through this right now and it's a day-to-day struggle and you don't feel that anyone cares to listen, you have such a supportive family of victims that know exactly what you've gone through. We know exactly the battles you're facing on the day-to-day. You're never alone. So if you're going through this or you have gone through this and you don't have any family or support or friends or no one possibly like me, no one knows your story, no one knows what's happened to you, you can reach out to me at any time on social media. Your messages are confidential and private. You can find me on TikTok at littlecute1az. You can also find me on Instagram with the same name. The stronger we are to tell our stories the bigger our victim family becomes and the more we are able to stand up and have a voice and have it known that this behavior will not continue in our society with our men and our women and our children. You are brave, you are strong, you are loved, and you are amazing. Thank you so much for listening to today's topic Again, it's just a topic, as Viola Davis said, that these are stories that nobody wants to tell. So thank you for listening to my story. And I look forward to so many amazing human beings listening to this, sharing this, sending it to someone that may have to just have to listen to this in their life to make it known you're going to be okay. This is not the end of the book. It is just a chapter. You are the writer, and it's time to turn the page. Be brave. Share your story, because there's so many out here that want to help. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps at least one person. And just remember, it's not your fault. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.